Welcome to Edge of Leather. How are you doing, Jace? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, yeah, very well. Um, I think we should maybe say right off the bat that we're going to be trying a bit of a different format for our listeners today. Will we, will we explain that format? Yeah, I think so. So we're basically trying to make it a wee bit more informal. Um, I think when we first started Edge of Weather, we tried to go for a magazine-type format where we kept it quite structured. And obviously, we'll still plan a wee bit, but we're going to have it less structured. Largely because we find that the ramblings between the two of us are actually more interesting. And then when we press record, we become quite... uh, I don't know what the word is. We didn't, maybe. Yeah, that's not advice. That's just that's the critique that we've given ourselves. Yeah, that's it? behind the uh, professional's mask, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because when we tried to record this the other night, we tried to do our episodes on Friday. It's now Monday, um, and we spent two hours just talking about stuff to do with education. And actually, if we just hit record, we probably would have had a really good episode. So. That's when we came to the conclusion that we maybe need to change what we're doing. Yeah, and kind of crazy times that we're living in at the moment as well. So we are obviously doing this remotely and hopefully what we're going to find is if we do it in this new format as well, that we can be a bit more prolific so that we can have a few more edu-blethers and good conversations about developments in education and things that we're interested in and we can try and get people on to the show to talk to us as well. So hopefully there will be more from us because we have been a wee bit quiet and we're sorry for that, but hopefully there will be more to listen to soon. Yeah, definitely. So today's topic then, we've just plucked this at random and we're going to do a wee bit more of this, just pick a random topic. Um, And one of the things we wanted to chat about was around the leadership of change. And we've spoken a wee bit about leadership in the past, but this is specifically, I guess, around how you actually change things in school, a bit about self-evaluation and improvement planning. So we're just going to be rambling around that, basically. We're an edgy weather. And I suppose I'm very conscious that I'm aware that both uh, you and I, Jace, were in leadership positions. And I don't want to purely discuss leadership topics and things that are only relevant for um, people that are in senior leadership team, for instance. But I think this is such an important topic to discuss. And I think we really need to firstly just like unpick the word leadership and thinking about what that means and we've discussed that before like leadership at all levels and this is actually one of the most important things to focus on here that it is not just the kind of privy of the of the leadership team this is something that is for all stakeholders so it's really relevant um for whatever role that that you serve within a school is that right yeah i would say so and i think you know if you're looking for evidence of that you only have to look at the GTCS standards, which we've kind of spoken about before when we spoke back um, a long, long time ago with Joyce Matthews, if you remember speaking to her about leadership. Yeah. Um, and it's really quite clear that everyone's responsibility and leadership maybe looks different at different levels. So for me, leadership is really about how you take something forward and change. Like, I don't think leadership is just continuing with the status quo. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, yeah. Um, It's a really, again, it's a really interesting topic, I think, because 
there's there is a narrative around this, I think, and again I'm taking this political right away. <laughs> but there's a narrative around this Shock. that there's the that, that sort of continuous drive for improvement, that continuous drive for change, mm-hmm. I think can sometimes be misunderstood or misinterpreted or or misappropriated you know i think i think what we're trying to get or the way that i understand this the way that i translate this leadership of change and trying to improve things is that i'm constantly at the forefront have better outcomes for children at the heart and for me that's the driving factor behind it so it's not just changing things for the sake of it or no. or not not remaining because if you find something that really works i think there is an element of saying actually let's continue to do that whilst continuing to monitor yeah with that question at the back of our minds is this still the best thing for the learners and i think and i think i was being a wee bit flippant a wee bit too simplistic where i'm just saying leadership is all about change because clearly schools are very complex organizations you might change one thing, but actually there's so many things that you're having to deal with in a school that it's not going to be a case that everything is going to change at the same time, is it? Like some things are going to be maintaining what's going on. Some things you're going to be emerging with your thinking. Some things are going to be actually you've got it nailed and that is just the way you want it to continue for yeah for a while. So I think they're different parts of the school are probably going to be at different points aren't they yeah and i think i think that's exactly right as well and it was when i was doing my practitioner inquiry course and it was the focus on finding things that work is of equal value of finding things that don't work because if you find something that doesn't work then you know and you've got the evidence to show why you want to stop it do you know so i think it's changing things is not just always trying to find bigger better faster brighter shinier do yeah. you know it's always about actually well let's just evaluate so i think maybe self-evaluation is a really good place for us to start this conversation it's yeah. about how do we get an accurate picture of where we are currently and where we want to take things forward how how, how do you do that what good practice have you seen there in terms of self-evaluation I think you've got to make sure everyone's involved and, you know, like Higgius is obviously a good place to start is everything that people are using, um, that people are involved in young people, they're involved in parents and they're involved in staff. Obviously, that's a really key part of it because mm. I think there's no point in one person going in with an idea and then just running with it. You have to get everyone on board. Um everyone on the bus that I think we've spoken about before. Um, yeah. So I guess for me, and I can only use my own context in a secondary, self-valuation is a key driver within our school. And we have a range of different things. So we will have um, pupil focus groups, which are really specific to key questions that we want to find out. And they normally link into what we're doing in our improvement plan. Um, for staff they would do a return via kind of faculties and then we would discuss that at a middle leadership level in terms of what are the key themes coming out across the school because you know my school has um, 13 different areas that it's kind of broken down to so you can imagine a big organization like that there could be quite a lot of difference from one area to another so 13 different faculty areas you probably are you're wanting consistency, of course, um, 
but it's really helpful for people to have those conversations I think in that forum yeah and then parents we would um do kind of parental questionnaires regularly again around really specific things that we're working on that we want to find out what do you do in the primary setting yeah, very similar, actually. I think it's it's constantly trying to get that rich tapestry of opinions and input and thoughts and feelings about things. So it's because, like you said before, like there is leadership at so many different levels so that everyone, there are so many different stakeholders in the process, but there's all, already so many different like angles to view it from as well do you know so everyone's got a different sort of vested interest as it were i think we work on a similar sort of pattern in terms of we have like improvement groups that are running right the way throughout the year because i think there's a danger that this could just be seen as like an end of year task where you're sort of looking backwards looking forwards in that sort of summer term and i think actually Sorry, it was just, it's really, what I've seen it most successful is when it's that ongoing process throughout the year. It's really organic improvement yeah. and change rather than just forced sort of synthetic improvement that just comes yeah. because you've got a form to fill in because the council are looking for it in May, do you know? Yeah, and obviously I've seen, and we'll both have seen situations like that where it just becomes quite ticky-boxy or it becomes around just gathering evidence for the sake of gathering evidence and actually what is that telling you how is that helping you do you know if you're gathering evidence and you're not even using it you're just putting it in a box what is the point yeah exactly and i think because then it just becomes a redundant task doesn't it and i think also people then see it for what it is and they don't actually see it as a really meaningful way do they um, yeah. Just one of the things that, to pick up there, you made a really good point about not waiting to the end of the year. And again, I've seen that and learned from that fairly recently that actually if you do that, it can be seen as just a task for the senior leadership team or the middle leadership team to do. So actually yeah. by by making it more regular, by making it as part of your kind of school improvement groups, or we call them collegiate groups in my school, um, we also have middle leadership. Um, all our middle leaders have a whole school responsibility, so they feed into that. We've got development post holders, we've got collegiate groups, and we have a senior leadership lead on every improvement plan priority. So across our improvement plan, we might have some of the things being taken forward by two or three people in those groups, Mm-hmm. maybe just one in one case or you know a whole range of different things and actually by sharing that load so it's not just on one or two people it really really helps i think can i ask a question now then and i'm i'm very conscious that there's so much to talk about around <laughs> coronavirus and the recent sort of global crisis that we're facing and i, I don't want to trivialise that and just gloss over that I, I suppose I want to frame that within this conversation as it were and yeah. think about that is there anything that we can do because I'm, I'm constantly aware that, that that sometimes bureaucracy does take over and sometimes because there is so much happening within a school a very important discussion like this like yeah. strategic planning for change can sometimes take a backseat when you've got so many other things that are like firefighting, do you know, yeah. things that are having to happen right there and then. So, sort of through, obviously, this 
current situation with 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 COVID nineteen has 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 completely changed so many parts of the way that we would normally approach things. Do you know? So it, it's given us maybe a different opportunity to think about to reflect on things and think about the way that we have done things and yeah, the way that we, we might could change our move forward. Yeah. How do we how do we protect our staff? So as senior leaders ourselves and and thinking about leadership teams and thinking about the whole sort of collegiate group there how do we protect each other from it becoming something that is just a a kind of ticky box or something that we're just saying right okay here's the new initiative that we're going to go with this year because we have to think of something new and we have to send well how do how do we use this opportunity just now to think how do we do this differently is there anything that we could be doing differently is there anything that we need to change about that process do you think well, I think the current situation does make you think in so many different ways. Obviously, we're not yeah. we're not at school at the moment, and we're having to rely heavily on technology to be able to continue um, some form of education, and that looks differently. It looks different in different parts of the country. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the huge benefits of all of this must be that people's skill level in terms of using technology to communicate with one another, but also to learn themselves and also to develop kind of programs so that young people can engage through Google Classroom or through Microsoft Teams or um, Class Notebook. You know, there's so many pluses, I think, that we'll take out of this. And I think one of them has to be the digital literacy increasing. But I think... For me, you know, we were we were I was back at school today and we were talking about um self evaluation and how we continue that because it's so important to how our school runs. It's not an add on, it's not something that just, you know, sits in the background. Actually it's what we do and and, and it's really clear like we've got we've got really clear senior leadership team remits where every part of the school so I, you could come in and say right who deals with this and we've got all the quality indicators laid out we've got line management structures we've got pastoral structures we've got learning and teaching all that kind of stuff and that really helps I think just make it part of your daily practice Um, and I, I would agree just when you picked up on the kind of firefighting thing and the strategic plan and that's one of my biggest things that I I am trying to tackle on my own, but also with my teams and and kind of encouraging my colleagues to come with me is how do we actually move as senior leaders from being really operational and really um, swallowed up in the day-to-day running of schools? Procedural things. Yeah, yeah, that are really important. And of course, we need to get them right, are so important. But also coming back to what we said, how do we actually move a school forward? Because if you're just so wrapped up and just running day to day at school, you're never going to have time or you're never going to have made time to develop new things, to take forward professional learning with your staff, to take forward thinking, introduce new systems. You're never going to have the time to do that if you if you don't build time in. Yeah. So I think for me, think, that's really important. And I think that is such a, a valid point that you make. And, and it's, it's I suppose it's that thing about just making the time for it you you need to make that time for it and I suppose the reason I was trying to frame it 
through the lens of the current climate mm-hmm. is that actually a lot of improvement planning is based upon a like increased attainment do you know yeah and it's about what can we do to outcomes to, yeah, yeah to improve attainment and i think it would be naive <clears throat> to continue as normal just now because things aren't normal and yeah. of course attainment is going to be impacted and what I, what I, the, the way that i'm thinking well, you hope it wouldn't be i guess is the key thing and, and that's where i'm going to get quite political because i think throughout all of this we don't want young people to be disadvantaged from this situation no not at, at all, all. and that, not all. i guess the big challenge is how do you make sure that doesn't happen and that's what the sqa from my point of view are are looking at seriously because i don't think it would be acceptable for young people to be disadvantaged no, and I suppose that's what I'm saying. Then, for flash forward, sort of to the to next session, yeah, and and, and we're we're coming back in August, and there's there's going to be a whole unique set of um, barriers, set of challenges that we're going to be facing as a profession that that has to impact on how we are going to change and adapt to to meet that challenge. Mm. And I, I think it's not just attainment that's at the front of that conversation it's it, it really i think forces front and center health and well-being mm-hmm. and mental health and how do we how do we make sure that our improvement plans and the way that we're moving our school forward in this current situation how is that going to adapt to to meet those needs and i suppose that's a really interesting bit for us all as professionals it, at the moment it is however i would argue that your improvement plan won't just be attainment focused. Like I know that our improvement plan has health and well-being for yeah. focusing and has done for the last couple of years because that's been a real issue. Um, I don't know what it's like in, with younger children, but certainly in the secondary sector, you know, referrals for mental health to the NHS has rocketed. Yeah, has rocketed. It's... Like it's a real national issue, and I think we've seen that. And with the introduction of counsellors in school come next session, you know, that's been a huge kind of issue on the table. So I think I, I, I take what you, I don't mean to be picky here because I'm not no. trying to shoot down your point. But I guess my question would be if, if, if improvement plans are so narrow that it's just one thing or one theme, then it's going to take a long time for schools to improve if it's not just attainment. But again, the flip side of that is, for me, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I would say that we've been in a situation where our improvement plan was probably too big and had yeah. too many priorities. And I think most people would probably agree with that, that if you've got so many priorities and there's only 195 days, five in-service days of that... Yeah, it's... You know, eight staff meetings is what we have, you know. And when you boil it down, you actually start to think, right, how can we have something like 40 different actions to take forward when there's not enough time? And then people, you know, people just feel like things are done to them and we never do things quite right. So I think one of the things we've learned um, as a school over the last few while has been to really boil down, right, what is actually important. So... One thing we did was a couple of years ago, we did a big consultation exercise 
and we came up with three priority areas, so three strategic priorities, which were going to stay the same year on year. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like a three-year plan, and that'll come to an end next year. And okay. then within that, actions then slotted within that. So our three pl- priorities were to unlock potential, promote high-quality learning, and build community. So those yeah. are the three big things that stay the same, um, so that everyone knows these are our priority areas, this is what we're trying to do. But then the things or the tasks or the areas within that, they may change slightly and just have a different focus, but we're still going in the broad general direction. And for me, that was a game changer, I would say, in terms of just not changing every year. Because I think there's also the danger that you just think, right, what are we going on to next? We're doing something totally different. Do you know what I mean? Is that the same in primary or? It is. It really is the same. And I, I suppose I don't think it's that that sort of uh, failure, as it were, that you're describing there in terms of that feeling of like, oh, we're changing this year, we're changing that year, we're changing that. I think that's born out of a place of just wanting to do better. Do you yeah. know? So wanting to, and then naturally, organically, things will come up throughout a year that are really exciting and interesting and and there that you're wanting to think right actually i think that would have a huge impact on our school going forward but i think what you've just explained there having that three-year sort of strategic plan with three keystones of your plan to be able to think right i know that that's what we're working towards so that new staff joining the school will be able to come in and say well here's where we've gone with that and there's where we're going you're part of this bigger journey it's not just this one year that you can be involved in this i think that's really interesting and what it also helped, and, and I'm only speaking from my point of view, what it also helped is to tackle the thing that you just said. So things come up, you know, opportunities present themselves throughout the year, and that's fantastic. Mm. But kind of what, what we learned as a team was these opportunities were coming up, and then we were grasping them, but then we weren't getting through everything that we'd agreed. Yeah. So we'd spend all this time working with our staff, with our young people, with our parents, saying, right, here are our priorities over the year. They would, we'd create this improvement plan and then we would go through the year, things would come up, then we'd go, yeah. oh, let's do that, let's do this, let's do this. And then by the end of that year, you, had, you hadn't actually achieved what you'd set out to do. So what yeah. it allowed us to do by having these three overarching strategic priorities was a, it gave us permission to say, no, actually, that's not something we're going to do this year. But what we will do is we'll make a note of it. And when it comes to improvement planning for the following year, using our, all our self-evaluation activities and also any other opportunities that come up, stuff from the local authorities, stuff at a national level, we then put that into the pot in terms of, right, how do we take that forward the following year? So it actually allows us to properly have leadership of change because you for me the ability to say no is just as if not more important than saying yes and i think that's a really um good model to be working towards because i think with with we've discussed sort of improving outcomes for learners but Mm -hmm. i think a big part of leadership of change is also impacting 
positively on staff as well yeah. and actually making it making the school feel like a place where they can see they have agency and they have an impact and I think that on a three-year plan like that there's quite a progressive um, approach for staff to be able to think right well I can be involved at this level in the first year and then maybe the next year I could be more involved or I could lead on this yeah. improvement group or collegiate group or however you phrase that yeah. and I think I think having that courage and the license to say not this year sorry that's not what we're working Mm -hmm. on I think that a big part of this obviously is creating that shared vision and that shared understanding and that would you'd be unwavering with that if you've got that three-year plan where you're working towards three quite strategic and well thought out um outcomes that you're working towards I think I think that's a really good way of doing it and I think that's a really good standard that we should be aiming towards definitely Um, and I think you know that that whole idea of the vision values names is so important you know in terms of right what is your vision what are your values and your aims and those three aims our strategic priorities are our aims you know our overarching aims that are longer than just a yearly thing and how how involved are your young people in this process? Like how how and do do you think there's room there for you to do more? Is it is it sort of superficial the 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 involvement that you have with that? I'm I'm not even talking just specifically to your school. I'm thinking yeah. sort of nationally. Is it something that we we really could be doing better with? Because I think sometimes. If it was genuine, the the involvement of the sort of pupil voice, yeah. it would be a lo- it would be a lot more unpredictable, and it might be less neat and less less um, easier to fit onto a infographic, for instance. You know, like how, how could we be doing more? Could we? I'm just thinking as a a thing for us to consider here just now. Like I I feel that we probably could be certainly at a primary level, I think we we could be involving the young people more in that conversation. I, I think we absolutely, without any doubt, could be involving young people more. And I'm not just talking about my school, I'm talking about no. across our education system. And interestingly, and you will remember this when I tell you, as part of my um, strategic change initiative within the headship was looking at this issue of learner participation yeah and one of the key things that came up in the research is tokenism and actually avoiding it and actually so many schools and organizations just go tick box we've asked pupils this we've asked done a survey. This. we've done that we've you done know. a survey or we've got house captains or we've got prefects or whatever it is We've got a student council, therefore we are asking the young people. But one of the things, a really important and useful graphic that I really liked was, and you can Google it, it's called the Continuum of Voice. Um, And the Continuum of Voice is kind of on a layered level. Um, We'll put it on our Twitter account so you can see it. And it it's not a, a hierarchy, it's not saying that one is better than the other, but it just sets out different things. So teacher-centred voice is around young people expressing their opinion or consultations. Learner-driven um, is about leadership and activism, 
where they're actually taking forward something that they want to change. And learner-centred is about working in partnership and participation with staff. So I guess it's just about getting the balance between decisions that are made in school so that it's not just always consultation. Sometimes it might be that you're taking something forward yourself or you might be getting young people to take something forward. So I think absolutely more could be done there. And and there's some really good t- tools out there that people can use. Um, the We Higgiest document, the How Good Is Our School, part one and two are fantastic resources, but there's also some great resources, particularly on um, the children's rights area of the commissioner's website so there's some really good stuff there because as you can probably expect learner participation and young people getting involved and making decisions is heavily rights-based to know about and their responsibilities around that so i would say without a doubt we could do more as a system yeah and i think that's it's it's a really interesting place to to go from isn't it because i think i think the reason maybe that we don't is just maybe because there's maybe external pressure on us to be able to be working towards an expected measure or an expected level and i think it's that thing constantly back to you manage what you measure and it's what what are the metrics that we have in place for us to be measuring at the moment and there isn't a measurement for how there isn't really that or it's not as as kind of widely accepted or easily uh, identified or kind of been able to put onto a spreadsheet mm-hmm. uh, people engagement is it do you know or how 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 do we track that over those three years how how pupils and young people have been able to impact change across the school and I feel like that is something I know it's something not that 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 we're not wanting to do and I don't think anyone would look at that and say at that that, uh, continuum that you were discussing there and say that they don't want to be working in partnership with young people and and children but it's it's I suppose it's just how do we effectively do that how do we break the mold and move away from the status quo and actually say well this is how we're going to do it differently this year with the intention that we will increase the people voice with our Mm -hmm improvement planning i think that it needs to be away from tokenism like yeah definitely but i also think it takes time as well to develop that culture because it's heavily based on trust um but also staff need to feel that it's not about them losing control because that's not what this is about at all um power comes into it quite a lot i would say and from what i've read around it and and obviously putting that into practice in my own school. Um, but it is a longer-term plan. It's not just a quick fix. And I think that's probably the big message that, you know, you need to take small-scale change and then see how that goes over a period of time. So You would argue that, that, that ultimately that is one of the most important things that we can be doing for our young people, though, is to be able to let them know that they have... A voice and, and there's countless studies to show that with increased people engagement comes more increased political activism responsible citizens like active citizenship how much that that they are correlated and how much they also increase in attainment as well which is going back to the question you asked about how important are these things if we're not measuring them i guess the key thing is 
is it having the same direct impact and how do you prove that? Do you need to prove that? That's you need question. to prove it, I think is the key question. That's the question, it? isn't it? Yeah. I think that's a, yeah, it's a really, really important one. So I think we've discussed quite a lot there about, um, about leadership of change. I think there's been a lot that we've discussed about how do we reach a sort of shared understanding and how important that is. Mm-hmm. We've looked at some examples about strategic planning for that continuous improvement mm-hmm. and thought about the reasons why we're discussing that. Um, is there anything that we need to think about? Because obviously this year especially, we're going to be doing that in in quite a different way and maybe working towards that shared understanding might be, I don't know, will it be harder or will it be easier in this current climate? What do you think? Um... I'm not worried about it because I think more so because we have the tools and I think one of the fantastic tools that most people will have access to if you've got access to GLOW and the whole of Scotland should have that um, is using Microsoft Teams but as part of Teams you can actually download or install an additional part of it called Microsoft Planner And I think that has so much potential in terms of managing and just communicating different aspects and getting different people in a team working together um, to evaluate, to make statements. I mean, I've seen some fantastic work from our local primary school they shared with us where they were using Microsoft Teams and they'd set up different tags within that and their entire school community we're going in and putting evaluative statements in about what the impact was of, you know, their big writing project that they were doing. And right. then over a period of time, that then builds up so that they can then go back and have a look. And they've got photos, they've got videos, they've got text, they've got all this kind of, they've got this repository of self-evaluation evidence. And whilst it's not about gathering evidence, through your planning, you do have to write down somewhere or or video or take a picture of what you've actually done, <clears throat> just so you know, and you can share that with people. I guess is the, yeah. the key. I, know, but I suppose if the if the evidence is for you, <clears throat> you know, like that, it's data. It's rich yeah, data. Yeah, it's helpful. To yeah. make informed decisions about it's not evidence <clears throat> about just so that you can prove yourself to someone else. It's no, that you can you can analyze and make an informed decision and i think that i mean that sounds fantastic and i think i think actually we're in a really unique position to be able to use the technology at our disposal to be able to think right well how can we actually work towards a real shared understanding here that puts us on such a good position moving forward and i think like you mentioned before our kind of digital upskilling yeah enormous for everybody do you know so actually we'll be coming back we've over the last three weeks we've done about three years worth of my digital improvement planning <laughs> you know already we've got to a place so that's really exciting and then the opportunities that that will uh, open up is really exciting so i think actually it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be easier to get a shared understanding and everyone to be to be able to comment on that mm-hmm. for this year's improvement plan and self-evaluation process Without a doubt. And just on that, the use of digital stuff, we were talking today as well about how we engage parents and how we might do things differently when we go back to school. So um, having like an online meeting and having a Q&A session, you know, for some parents who can't make 
those meetings. We could video yeah. them and then they could watch them later if they're on our website. So, you know, all these things are possible and have always been possible. But I guess now people can see that they're easy to do and they know how to do it. So I think I think schools are fundamentally going to change the way they work going forward in light of this due to digital technology, which is quite exciting. It's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I think that's quite an exciting place to, to end this conversation. What do yeah, you think? why not? Why not? Excellent. Well, I enjoyed the new format. I think having just a open-ended discussion was was a, a really good uh, way to, to, to kind of format the show. What do you think? I think so, yeah. I think people won't be coming to us for their news. And actually, there's not much in the news at the moment, so... <laughs> But we would, I think it would be great to, to speak to as many teachers out there as possible. So we'd love to have anyone that's keen to come onto the show for a chat and, and to discuss how you're finding things and how you're uh, getting on with, with learning and teaching at the moment. So anyone that's keen, just please send us any feedback about the show. It'd be warmly received. Thank you. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind just whatever your chosen podcast app is that you listen to us on, um, just giving us a wee rating or a comment on there it really really helps um, other people find us um, and just kind of moves us up a wee bit and share as much as you can with your colleagues at this time because I'm hoping that people will find this really interesting this could be part of the professional learning by listening and then having a chat with other people about what we're talking about excellent thanks for listening